I'm a um, immigrant from uh, Canada. I'm part of the vast migrations of gay people that took place in the mid-1970s um, when all the tops went to New York and the bottoms came to San Francisco. That was Sister Mary Media. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. So once again, I'm here with Michelle, the photographer, and we're going to talk a little bit about what it was like to meet Sister Mary Media. So uh, Sister Mary Media invited us into her beautiful apartment in the Panhandle. Um, she had uh, tea and biscuits ready for us. Uh, she was a wonderful hostess. Um, we started out with photographs. Um, got some beautiful shots of her in her home and then went down into the panhandle and had a lot of fun climbing in trees and uh, uh, taking fun photos. Uh, this project um, with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence has just been a true joy photographing these ladies and um, what they give to the community. Uh, they couldn't make it more fun for sure. Yeah, and in this episode you're going to hear Sister Mary Media talk a lot about the social and political context um, in the late 70s that kind of the sisters were, were spawned in, out of and into kind of before they started really doing charity work and getting involved with AIDS and aware, you know, awareness and stuff like that. So without further ado, here's Sister Mary Media. I guess because in Canada you have, there's this sense, even though I was a queer activist and I was manager of a gay bookstore and I was involved with gay organizations and stuff in Canada, but there still always was back then, and I'm not, it's probably not the case anymore, but there was back then a sense that when you're in Canada and looking south, it's like you have your nose pressed up against the window of where the culture is being created. And I wanted to I wanted to be part of creating that culture that was being birthed in San especially in San Francisco, the sort of queer countercultural um gay um political and artistic scene. So where, that's why that's what got me here. Where in Canada were you? I grew up in Montreal. I lived there. I lived in Toronto for a while. I lived in Vancouver for two years on my Do you way want to here. do this podcast in French then? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we won't do that. We won't <laughs> My French is I pretty wouldn't be able rusty. to answer anything. Yeah, but my it'd be French cool. is pretty rusty, but I yeah. I mean I'm I'm English Canadian. Okay. I'm one of what the French call the Mozi Anglais, the damn English. And so I'm not a uh, Quebecois. But that is interesting. Um, again, what you said about kind of that cultural split back then of tops going to New York. Because you, right. were, you were right there. It wasn't geographical. You came to San Francisco for a reason. Because it would have been probably yes. a lot easier to go to New York. But it It would have probably, yeah. But I had never been to San Francisco. It was just... I knew of some people who had moved here, um, and I just what I heard about the place. Um, San Francisco just has this 
cultural um, siren call, right? Um, and even never having been here, I knew this is a place that I wanted to see for myself. And once, of course, once I been here, I'm, I knew that this is where I wanted to live. And so how, I made but that. How did you, like TV, magazines, movies, like how, before you came here, how, how was it that you heard about? Yeah, TV, magazines, movies, all, all of those, yeah, all of those things. Um, and in queer culture, um, this is where uh, things were happening in the arts, um, on, on a, I mean, it was also happening in Boston to some extent, and certainly it was happening in Canada. There was, I mean, it was a political thing. Uh, there was a political, gay political movement in Canada, but here is where um, I guess it was happening more. There was an integration of the arts in with the political. Uh, that um, I didn't get a sense of in New York. Um, maybe if I had gone to New York, I would have found something like that. But and Boston was probably very similar in that in that way because it was Fag Rag was being uh, published from in Boston, um, and but you know California, it's California, and um, you don't have to I tell guess, me. I did, yeah, I moved exactly. here too. I guess. Seeing those pictures of those Beach Boys, and you know, it's like, I guess, yeah. and then then you get to San Francisco and realize it's not California at all. <laughs> uh, where's my sweater? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Why did I leave all my sables at home? <laughs> uh, what year was it that you moved here? It must have been before seventy nine. Seventy eight. Seventy eight. I started coming here in seventy seven. As I said, I was living in Vancouver at the time and started visiting for extended periods. I had a job that allowed me to visit for you know months at a time and I did started doing that and so I was here when Harvey Milk was elected and uh and then of course when he was assassinated and the Jonestown happened and all of the I mean so much happened in that short period of time you know like 77 to 79 mm -hmm. including the founding of the sisters of perpetual indulgence mm -hmm. and so yeah there was also a sense of california was a place where spirituality was also kind of a factor maybe in the in queer uh in the queer scene i didn't know exactly how it would be uh incorporated but i had a sense that people uh, had started writing about the it, spirituality from a queer perspective, mm -hmm. and they seem to be based here. And that was a another draw. That was for certainly you. another draw for me. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a religious background or did, uh, did not you, really? Did, oh, I had a fundamentalist. I grew up in a fundamentalist just like Sunday Heather. school. It was. I mean, not, there were there was a period of my life where I was. Uh, terrified to go to sleep because Jesus was coming tonight. If he comes tonight, I'm I'm doomed for eternity. You know, and it's it's really horrible the way uh, kids are brainwashed right. and like to be afraid to fall asleep because you'll 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 never 
when you wake up, you'll never go to sleep again. You know? oh <laughs> but okay, well, maybe not so much religious, but spiritual. Like yeah, there was definitely a spiritual um, draw to me. I I didn't know exactly what it was. I had started meditating a little bit, and I like bought a book about of, about Buddhism and sort of did what I could on my own. But I I didn't have a community. I wasn't involved in any spiritual community, like organized or or organized or or even unorganized. The people I hung out with were pretty much um, activists, political activists. So. Mm-hmm. Do you want to speak to, um, and you don't have to by any means, but before we get into the founding of the sisters, yeah. you mentioned the milk, uh, both the election and the assassination and, and Jonestown. I mean, you had just got, you were fresh off mm-hmm. the boat or airplane yeah. like, and all this stuff was happening. What was that like? Well, there was, I... That's an interesting question because for me, I wasn't really invested in electoral politics. To me, politics was more radical than that. I mean, that change, if if fundamental change was going to come, it wasn't going to come through the ballot box. That was sort of where I was coming from. And so Harvey Milk was great and I supported, I supported, you know, I've, it was thrilling that somebody was elected and uh, openly gay on the board of supervisors and um that he was uh, he was generating this excitement in the community um but for me the real um political change that had to come about was going to happen from kind of more radical organ- more radical organizations than uh, electoral parties got it and so but that being said there was still very much a sense that things were changing that that well while you're waiting for the revolution to happen um it's great that if you can have some influence at city hall and not just at city hall but Mary Media would say, in the media, and visibility is really uh, important. And the fact that gay people weren't just being visible to each other, but that we were living in a city where, you know, Tales of the City was being published in the daily newspaper. And um, and visibility, w- and, and gay people were being integrated and accepting kind of responsibility for uh, the functioning of society yeah it wasn't just a belief in a better world some somewhere down the road it was like well we need a pooper scooper law as harvey (laughs) milk you know that was his main piece of legislation yeah would you say i mean i feel like the um the contemporary term would be representation but um that if you want to generalize, like the gay community was taking the reins of their own representation and show doing a better job than they had or than society had let them do. Like, you know, smashing down stereotypes and that kind of thing. Would you say that was happening? I would say that that was happening. And it seemed, it felt like it was happening, not just like, okay, we have to do this. We have to organize politically and like, um, and and that that was sort of the agenda and that was like the focus it was that was just another aspect of things that were happening um 
in many in every every field of human activity it was like there was a march somebody starts a marching band mm-hmm. somebody starts a you know a queer uh um pom-pom group like cheerleading group and the coquettes, um, the coquettes and then the leather scene starts um uh kind of codifying into like gelling into something um with its own culture and its own kind of sub you know um rules of engagement shall we say okay um <laughs> so it was so the politics was just a part of like a whole renaissance that was going on where queer people belong in every aspect of human endeavor and here was a city where it was possible to do that right. like it seemed like new york like a place like new york maybe there was so much intransigence you know it took them how long to get a you know a gay rights law passed in new york or a domestic partners law passed in new york um whereas in san francisco it was on a scale that think you could you could have you could participate right. you could like make a change mm-hmm. you could you could influence things mm-hmm. well every religion kind of every religious institution has its uh, diverse origin myths shall we say so depending on who you talk to you're going to get a different let's say of emphasis mm-hmm. um on on where it started for me the sisters of perpetual indulgence the group that we're talking about um was it it did come about from that cultural ferment that was happening and that connection between uh spirituality politics and sexuality um that uh got basic that really came together at the very first fairy gathering radical fairy gathering which happened on labor day weekend of 1979 okay now before backing up before that um three guys had put on nun's habit and gone out to lands End on holy saturday in 1979, like four months before the Labor Day. Which is the day between Good Friday and Easter, is that right? Correct. For those of you oh, <laughs> who didn't that, grow up All Catholic. that religious indoctrination <laughs> paid off. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, so it was Holy Saturday, um, uh, 1979. So that's why the sisters uh, mark our founding from the, uh, from on Easter weekend Got it. of that year. Of that year. So, um, okay, so three guys went out, put on nuns' habits. One of them was in whiteface. They got fabulous reactions. It was like, okay. And then so over the course of the next few months, they would occasionally do it again, like going out on Castro Street or wherever. Um, But they had these habits that were brought from Iowa, um, allegedly uh, from a stole or not returned to a convent that lent them to um a production of sound of music and but nice catholic pun there lent them yeah <laughs> go on okay uh, yeah i meant to say that um um so but for me it was like the sisters is about the 
the consciousness of having of bringing a group of people together for a specific purpose of the founding of the order like gay pe- gay guys have done nun drag from time immemorial i would say you know okay so you do nun drag that's great it's and i'm not in any way taking away from that but what led to the founding of the order was a change in consciousness that happened over uh, that Labor Day weekend at a spiritual gathering for radical fairies that was organized by Harry Hay and some other people that took place in Arizona, in the desert in Arizona. Okay. Um, it was a call to people who were who were interested in politics and uh, queer politics and spirituality and. Um, and paganism, I guess, was sort of the aspect of spirituality that was most prominent. S- going to that gathering was um, like a giant step outside the patriarchy. It was like a different culture. Harry Hay, who organized it, was the founder of the Mattachine Society, okay. which is an early gay rights organization, like the, um, I think the first, gay rights organization in in the states oh, wow. and so um so he ha- he felt a need to take it further and so for him he felt that queer people have a different way of experiencing the world of seeing the world of filtering the world from um the dominant culture from and so he f- wanted a space where we could experience that together and um that's thus that that gathering so a bunch of people who sort of knew each other a little bit in san francisco were at that gathering when we came back to the city we having experienced this kind of transformational moment in our lives and i know i'm not really describing like what the nature of the transformation, but it was just this sense of, oh, we don't have to be, we don't have to conform to masculine, clone, um, heterosexual versions of gay people and say we're just like, uh, of, of um, I mean, of males, and say, oh, we're, we're, ma- we're just as male as anybody else. That was... Our take was, no, we're sissies, we don't conform to that, and we don't want to conform to that. And so when we got back to the city, it's like, how do we take this different take on being queer and do something with it? How do we make something happen with it? And so... Agnes DeGarren was one of the um, people from the gathering. He had dance classes that he got us to do dance classes together. He had a dance company that, um, because he had this nonprofit dance company, he was able to take advantage of a program that the city of San Francisco had at that time called the Costume Bank, where if you had a small theater company, you all you had to do was give them like like a token, like five bucks a costume, and they would make costumes for your for your theater productions. Wow. 
So that's what he did. He got them to make a bunch of habits for us. So how do you not love a city that provides you with drag? <laughs> exactly. So was Agnes one of the first three? He was around? one of the no. He wasn't one of the first three. Okay, but he's considered one of the four, the Fab Four, the the founding, the four founding members. One of those three was not. I mean, he he was a, a novice, but he didn't want to pursue being a sister. Okay, he was just out to have fun. That, and then who were the other two? And the other two were um, uh, Fred Brungar and. Um, Ken Bunch, okay. um, so sister missionary position, and at the time sister Adhanarisvara, since rechristened sister vicious power hungry bitch, oh, yeah. um, and then Agnes was sister hysterectoria, and uh, the fourth person was uh, the Reverend Mother, the abbess, um, who wasn't the Reverend Mother of the group, but exuded that energy everybody who knew him even before the sisters was founded calls you know referred to him as reverend mother okay so he was just this beautiful compassionate engaging um soul so those four lived together in a um on just a couple of blocks from here at on ashbury and um fell and another group of us lived around the corner in another house um, called the Brain Trust, not ironically <laughs> in any way. Um, so a group of us uh, lived together there. There was maybe seven or eight of us who who were sisters. So we had these two houses um, together. And so we had the, ha- the habits made. And then events started presenting themselves. So um, we started going to demonstrations. Um, at that time, the Christian fundamentalists were coming to the Castro and Polk Streets, uh, another gay area at the time, mm-hmm. um, and um, doing their, you know, you're you're going to pay for this. You know, God doesn't want you to do this and stuff. So we went down. So they were coming down like every week and doing this preaching against um, against uh, the burgeoning homo- visibility of homosexuals, and and we went down and conf- we confronted them in a very gentle way. We started dancing. We brought a boombox and just started dancing around them and. We didn't, like, it wasn't a militant, um, in-your-face, you know, threatening violence uh, kind of engagement. It was just, yeah, dancing, chanting, and and showing that there was a different way, maybe a non-masculinist way of of, um, dealing with the situation. So that was that was it. I mean, basically, it was a group of people who didn't buy into the um, the need to be the masculine ideology that was kind of prevalent in the gay community at that time. That was Sister Mary Media. 
Join us Thursday when Mary Media will talk more about what the sisters were up to in their early years. And she'll walk us through the 40-year history of the group. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date on everything we do. Find the 60-plus past episodes on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If that happens to be Apple Podcasts and you have a minute to spare, please rate and review the show for us. Send comments or suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.